Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, Orville Roach. Welcome, welcome to Roach on Recovery. This is Orville Roach, your host, along with my producer and co-host, as usual, pulling double duty, Chris Morales, 646-564-9909, 646-564-9909 is the number if you want to call in to speak to us or our guest. If you just want to listen to the show, you can go to our website, ocgworks.org that's o-c-g-w-o-r-k-s dot org and just click on the OCG radio live button or you can also go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio uh, you don't have to call in on the call online to listen to the show unless that's your only means Mr. Producer I just want to do for the uh, program record today is December 2nd 2014 and it is the uh, eight year, eighth year anniversary of the passing of my childhood friend and my wingman, Joseph Edward Williams. And so we're going to do a couple of things in this show just as, uh, uh, you know, in his memory, um, is special to me. Uh, and we'll have it uh, for the eternal record. What do you think about that? I think that's a great idea. In the short amount of time that I was able to spend with uh, Mr. Williams, Mr. Joe Williams, uh, he touched me and he touched a lot of people. Um, and you didn't need to spend a lot of time with him to be touched, actually. That's the type of person he was. Uh, quite a unique personality, but I think that that's a great idea. Yep. Uh, we became friends at the age of seven um, and were friends for 35 years. And one of the two reasons why my wife and I ended up coming to California. He moved he moved there before us. And so um so we're gonna do a couple of things uh, throughout the show to uh in his memory and um I'll talk about that when we get to that time. So Daytop, the birth and evolution. Today is part three of three. Our first part we had Dr. David Deitch who talked Talked us through the uh, the birth and the infancy period of Daytop, 
how that got started, who were the key players, and um, what it was like back then, uh, getting something like that off the ground, trying to help the heroin addicts at that time. Um, and, and that was pretty informative. Learned a lot, especially about that split, which was a big rumor during my time in Daytop. You know, what was the split? How did it happen? And it turns out that it was nothing that anyone of us thought it was about. We, th- You know, we thought it was conceptual. You know, that, you know, people wanted to do treatment one way and somebody wanted to do it another. And, you know, they split. Turns out it was politics. <laughs> Who knew? It's usually how the rumor <laughs> mill works. So um, that, w- that was a revelation. And then last week we had on Charlie Devlin, um, who had a 40-year-plus affiliation with Daytop, ended up as the uh, chief executive officer for Daytop for a long time, uh, was the first graduate, uh, first resident, first graduate, and then first failure, um, that he noted, um, which is the interesting trifecta. Um, And... You know, talked about how he worked his way up in the organization um, during that same infancy period, taking us in, through the 70s and into the 80s. And, you know, the expansion Daytop had to uh, embark upon because of the need that was there. Um, so that was, you know, pretty informative to learn to, to learn about that. And I would have to say for those who are listening, a little Joe Pesci in him. Oh, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> we we have to throw that out there because I know folks who are listening were definitely feeling a little bit of New York gangster in there. Well, you know, obviously people can't see what's going on on the radio, but my producer <laughs> was just going wild in the background, uh, uh, you know, communicating with me through our back backdoor <laughs> communications while we're on the air, you know, uh, and carried on about uh, um, Charlie's uh, heavy. New York accent. So. I thought we were. I thought we were interviewing a, a cast member from Casino. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you talk about me having a New York accent or noticing every now and then, that gave you a real, uh, a real idea of what the accent sounds like. The so, real deal. Okay. Uh, today, in our third part of the series, we're going to have on one of my peers, um, who was uh, with me uh, through. Most of my treatment experience, um, and went on to then work for Daytop, and I think he'll bring a different perspective. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna talk about those middle years in the '90s, the late '90s, going into the early 2000s, and you know how Daytop evolved, and you know what was going on at that time, etc. Um, he'll bring a different perspective to it. Um, so why don't we welcome him aboard and bring him on? My friend, uh, my peer, Mr. Basil Francis, a native of Antigua, a little bit different from where I'm from, Jamaica. Antigua is a little bit more upscale. Mr. Francis. Hey, 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 hey. What's going on, Mr. Roche? How are you, buddy? Good, 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 good. Thank you very much for um, agreeing to join us today on our part three of three, Daytop the Birth and Evolution. Okay. Well, let me let me just clarify some things for the record. Um, I am a New Yorker, <laughs> and I was born in New York. <laughs> okay. My dad's side is from Antigua, and my mother's side is from St. Vincent. So uh, let me just get that Still out. Upscale. And, Still uh, upscale. <laughs> clear the record but uh it's very good uh talking with you and uh keeping the journey going um 
I want to give my condolences to your dear friend, Mr. Joe Williams. I never really knew him, um, but I think you did speak of him a few times, and um, mm-hmm. so I give you respect and to his family condolences as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for that. We're going to get right into it. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. So uh, this is Chris again. I'm co-host uh, of the show here and the producer. Hey, so Chris. I have a couple of. Hey there, we got a couple of questions to start you off here. First and foremost, can you tell us briefly about your experience in Daytop as a resident? How you got there? What it was like for you, etc. Uh yeah. Um, we're talking uh, the late '80s, uh, '88, '89. Um, that's when. Uh, heroin, cocaine, crack cocaine was probably at its peak and was just succumbing so many people at that time. Uh, unfortunately, I got caught up in that scenario, and um, I think it just got worse after I graduated from college. And, um, you know, we, we we weren't able to deal with certain things in our lives. Um, this this drug just hit hit a, a neighborhood, and it just ravished uh, so many people and so many lives and so many families. And unfortunately, uh, I, I was caught up in that scenario, and it got so bad where uh, I would say two years into uh, indulging substance abuse and, and 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 hurting families and lying and deceit. It, it's amazing the type of character you develop when you're in that scenario, when you're in that lifestyle. You become the greatest con artist, the greatest liar of all times. The deceit that you become is remarkable and unbelievable. And you can't imagine how many people are affected by you. And it's absolutely phenomenal. But that time and era, like I said, it got to a point where you realize, look, enough is enough. And after you have hurt so many people, who loved you uh, growing up, and uh, so many people, so many friends, so many family members. Subconsciously, it, it takes a toll on it. And if you was never in that environment and just got caught up in it for that time period, you realize, look, this is not really me, and I need to get out of this type of lifestyle. And I got to that point where I knew that wasn't me. And I knew that I come from a very disciplined family, a very good family, a very loving family, and I had great friends, and uh, everything was going great. So how in the world did I get here? And it got to a point where I think God at that time became one of my best friends. I just asked him to get me away from this scenario as quick as possible. And I think from that point on, things started happening. The wheels started turning because forces allowed me to uh, 
have family members make calls to this person and that person and then getting me in for detox and then finally uh, hearing about Detox Village and enrolling. But keep in mind, um, that is what I needed. I knew I was on the right track. I knew my prayers was answered when all of these things started happening. I knew it was a positive way. I knew it was an uphill climb. It was a scary climb because I was maybe too close to death with the people I was hanging out with, with the environment. And for some reason, the great God just moved me in a direction, and I ended up at Daytop, and I went through the whole process of enrolling and becoming an introduction, uh, a member, and it was a phenomenal experience because I knew at that point in time, the first day I got into Daytop, my life was going to change for the better. And for the first night that I slept there at Daytop out in Far Rockaway, Okay. Was probably the best night I had for over two years at that time. I must have slept like a baby. And I knew that my life was changing. And I knew uh, my prayers was answered. And it was growing up all over again. You had to grow up all over again because those are the things that we lost. Those are the things that I lost. I didn't know how to interact. I didn't know anything about my feelings. I didn't know how to be a friend. I didn't know how to appreciate things. I didn't know what blessings was. I didn't know anything. All I knew, I was out of place. But I was in the Mm -hmm. right place when I ended up at Daytop Village. And that's when things really turned for the best. So it was an experience that uh, I'm sure a lot of recovering addicts can tell you their stories. Everybody's stories is uh, somewhat unusual. No one's story is better than the other, but everyone has got the same common purpose. That's right. That's right. Wow, that's really, really inspirational stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that. I hear you talking about the first night that you spent there at the facility being a really powerful night in your life, one of the one of the best moments that you can recall in your life. What about the feeling that you got while you were there that night that you spent there? What was it about Daytop that felt special, that, that felt like there was something powerful that was going to take place? Well, first you had to know in within yourself that you're safe now. You had to know that you're coming into a facility where your life is going to change. You've got to know that. You've, you, I had to be serious about this, um, totally, not knowing what I was getting into, not knowing what type of people I was there, not knowing all I know is I had to get back to who I really was. So that night or that week when I was there, I went gun-ho. I'm, say, I'm saying, Lord, whatever you have planned for me, I will do it. And right. I'm 
pretty uh, a receptive person, and I, I, I like to talk with people. I'm, I'm a very fun person. Uh, I enjoy talking with, pe- with people. And I knew that my mission was to recover. That's all I knew. I don't care what type of treatment it was. I knew that my purpose was to recover. And whatever they had for me, I was going to do it in order to get my life back. Wow. Wow, that is really awesome. Yeah, I think that's a a huge part of treatment, generally speaking, or folks seeking to or looking to make a change in their life is just having that kind of blind faith and just uh, accepting whatever it is that's going to happen for the betterment of your life. Can I just uh, interrupt for a a second and just ask Basil, is that the reason why you ignored me in the front area when you got up to Swan Lake? (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly why I ignored you, because I wanted you to go through the same thing that I went through. (laughs) I didn't want any, no short corners or anything. I wanted you to get the full effect the way I got it. (laughs) I tried to make eye contact with him when I was sitting in that front area waiting for my initial interview. Basil walks right past me. We're sitting. I'm, remember the folding chairs? They're sitting on the folding chairs. He walks right. right past me and doesn't make any eye. This is after about <laughs> we've spent about a month together in the entry unit. <laughs> he walks right past me like he's never before seen me in his life. That's it. I'm giving you the full experience. <laughs> and, and I, I got to say, um, um, when we got upstate, after we spent our 30 days in um, – Induction or in, entry, entry, entry unit, and we went up uh, to Swan Lake, um, which is a nice long ride at that time. I knew that once I got on that van, it's like literally going through another portal, because now you're not where you came from. One of the significant tools and changes that I got to give Monsignor was actually moving the uh, the attic or the dope fiend or that person out of that environment that was detrimental to them. You had to move that person out of that environment so they can grow in a new environment, and that's what I was experiencing and that was probably one of the best feelings I had, knowing that I was leaving death and coming into a living environment, finding mm-hmm. out who I am, who I really am, with other people who were sharing the same the, the same the same experience. Now, there of course there are other people who came there for different purposes. Some was there for probation. Some was coming from the courts. And they had a totally different agenda. But uh, there are some of us, I could say, uh, Orville, myself, uh, uh, quite a few of us, Horace, uh, Carico, it's like maybe seven, eight, nine, ten of us, was on a different mission. And for some reason, the great God put us together and allow us to show and model just how great Daytop was in recovering our life. Yep. Now, <clears throat> so you spent about how much time up at uh, up at the lake? Well, let's see, thirty days in entry, and I would say about a year and a half 
almost to two years, about a year and a half up at uh, Swan Lake. And it was definitely an experience because, like I said, you had to grow up all over again. You had to... Uh, we 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 had uh, a counselor named Felix Arroyo, and he was he was uh, a real counselor who uh, know how to make people react and look at things that we didn't want to look at, and he broke down you know certain characteristics in us that was really helping us. And we literally, we had to grow up again. But we, I stayed up in Swan Lake for about a year and a half. And after a while, I, I mean, that nice weather starts to pay a toll on you. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> want to come down to see some uh, real reality. But um, uh, uh, up there for about a year and a half was uh, ample time to uh, really find out who you are, find out what your faults are, what what your greatness is, find out everything about you, sharing everything with people, again, who's in the same common ground, making friends. Daytop is definitely a place that once you get their treatment or once you graduate that, you're set for the rest of your life. There's nothing that could really overtake you as far as not to say that it can't happen, but you've built up this suit of armor of sobriety that if it's if, if you wear it right, you could you're safe for the rest of your life. That's true. And, and that's what Daytop that is what Daytop uh aspired us to be and I've gotta say that you don't even have to be a recovering person to walk through the doors at Daytop. You could just take any individual who's having everyday problems and go through the same treatment that we had, and they will come out a totally different person. That's correct. Now, before Chris continues, I want to just make one editorial note. Um, Felix Arroyo actually was the director, if you recall, when we moved, when we got up there, Jack Hurst, I believe that's his last name, was the director. And, Jack Hurst, correct. Yeah, and all hell was breaking loose. Uh, he was. <laughs> that's it was. I mean, and we as younger members knew that you know something wasn't right, and and that's why we became you know so dominant and trying to get things back in order. But Jack Hurst was removed. Felix came up as an interim and started to turn that cruise ship around very quickly. And you're absolutely correct. right about in terms of his clinical ability to really make you look at yourself deep, very deep. And then, of course, he was there for about a couple of months, and then the great E.J. Hill came in and took it over from there. Um, Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. All right. No, perfect. No worries. So we're going to switch gears on you a little bit here, Basil. I'm just wondering, uh, to my knowledge, you ended up working for the organization uh, Daytop, and you worked in the accounting department specifically. Just wondering how that came to pass. Well, actually, you know, after being up upstate for about uh, a year and a half, um, you know, you're you're making city trips uh, quite frequently now. The the the, the counselors and and the program tends to uh, give you a little rope and 
and a little trust. So you tend to go down into the city and you escort people to different locations. And we always ended up at 40th Street. That was our first stop uh, from from uh, up in uh, Swan Lake, Manhattan. We come into 40th Street, which was the headquarters, the corporate headquarters. And uh, it was great to come down there, and I used to interact with a lot of staff members. I used to interact with a lot of people, a lot of directors. Uh, I was always chosen to uh, accompany someone into the city. So I ended up at 40th Street a lot, accompanying uh, a lot of uh, residents. And I just so happened to speak with different people and... Um, Speaking with directors and accounting and all, all, I mean all types of uh, coordinators and directors and managers and supervisors and I guess they liked me I liked them uh, I, I I could uh, articulate you well blah blah blah, blah, blah something you wormed your way but, in there somehow and I wormed my way in there you know so. Uh, <laughs> So I was in the accounting department, and I, I worked with them for uh, a good number of years. I used to handle all of the operating expenses for all of the uh, outreaches in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, Staten Island, and I handled all of the operating expenses in upstate uh, Rhinebeck, uh, Monticello. Uh, so I say in a total of about 25 facilities, I was control of 25 facilities or so. So wow. um, that's how I ended up there doing accounting for them, uh, payables and receivables. Don't I know it. So um, before we... <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> before we uh, continue on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring on a surprise guest. He's, uh, he's um, important to me important to Basil, important to us together for for different reasons. Um, he's calling from uh, that beautiful city down in Florida. Uh, I want to oh. welcome online uh, another member of the core four pair, uh, Mr. Horace Barnes. Are you there, Horace? Yes, I am. Hey, Horace, my brother. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm going to be down there around Christmas. I hope to see you. Yeah, man, I'm sitting up here, man, getting in touch, listening to you, man. Yeah, well, you know, uh, you you're you're part of you're part of that clique, man. Without you, without Orville, and without a lot of us who who stuck together, we wouldn't be where we are now. Man, you mentioned you brought back some names, man. And if it wasn't for you guys, man, uh, my life wouldn't be the way it is now, man. You know, I. And I love you guys, man. You know, you know I, I, love you, bro. You, 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 we love you back. Huh? Well, we said we love you back, but I want to. I want to say. I want to get. I got to get something in there uh, because I know. I know my wife is listening. Uh, and for those who don't know out there in our audience, uh, Horace Barnes, who I met in the entry unit in Far Rockaway, Queens, who he and I did not get along. <laughs> at first, at first meet, we did not get along. I, I would go as far as to say we were almost mortal enemies for a while, and and end up being. And that's why I always tell people the person, the the person that you sometimes have the most problems with, and might end up being that that 
that you know part of that close group, and that that was the case with Horace. And not only that, but uh, and I don't know if you know this, Basil, but Horace uh, up in that small town in Liberty, New York, uh, was yep. the best man at my wedding. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Twenty twenty four right. years ago. Twenty four years ago, this past October ninth. Uh, he was the best well, man. you know, it, 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 it's funny because, um, you know, I, I could honestly say we have grown so much and we have succeeded so much. But when we all came in there, oh, my God, I remember when Horace came in. He was the most petrified person. <laughs> he's, coming from, he's coming from Florida up to New York. And, you know, he's got his stereotypes about New Yorkers. <laughs> and the cold weather was killing him. I mean, he couldn't get used to the cold weather at all. <laughs> and, and by the way, Horace was built like uh, Ray Lewis. He was built like a middle linebacker, for those of you who don't That's know. That's right. Yeah, he was, he, he was solid. He was, he was built. And even when we finished a top, oh man, we physically we was beautiful. I mean, we oh, yeah. were hip hop shape. <laughs> but uh, well, Horace, man, you you were definitely you and Bill were definitely and will always be genuine people among other people. Carico wins, Hector Velez, uh, all genuine people. They all. Yes, sir. And you and Basel, I never had a chance to tell you guys this, but when when I ran into you in, in Far Rockaway and we started bumping heads in the beginning, and you know why we started bumping heads? Because immediately I noticed something about you that I you had some things, some attributes, and some qualities that I admired, but I just didn't know how at that time to just to, to approach you and and try to get learn from you, so I, I just did it the negative way, you know? Mm-hmm. But as I, as I grew, as we went upstate at Swan Lake and we started growing together, I said, you know what, man? I got to steal some, I both of you guys, either you speak very elegantly and you very intelligent. I said, you guys, I got to steal some of this stuff from you guys in, in order for me to make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's... I said, you know, I said I'd get you on the basketball court, but I couldn't get you in nothing else but for a while, you know, on the basketball court. And I, I remember those one-on-ones, you know. <laughs> Boy. Oh, oh, yeah, but not, but let's not, let's not diminish your, uh, your, your contributions because uh, we all, we always say over and over that it, you know, it, it's not, it doesn't require deep intellect. It's not, it's not complex. It's not complicated. It's simple, and. Uh, when you was confronting me and me and Basil, you know it, it. I mean, we might have wanted to go somewhere, and you just kept boom. No, well, let's keep it right yep. here. Let's keep it right yep. here, right, right where we're at. And so it works both ways. You know, you learn from we learn from each other. Well, I never forget, boy, when the three of us teamed up and turned into some awesome confronting machines. We t- we turned one. <laughs> <laughs> Last story. Well, you know, I I I I I gotta say that uh, I am still that type of confront. Once I learned how to confront, oh, for God, I think I've developed more enemies now than uh, 
genuine people because we had to find out the truth. Let's deal with truth, not just for you, but for us. This is what's going to save us once we find out how to confront and get to the problem and yeah. move from that problem is confrontation. And we got excellent at it. I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> Man, people didn't have a chance with us three because we were firing from all different angles. Forget it. You, you. You'd have to walk out like a dead man after we finished with you. And well, we um, I will always remember that. We we tell the clients today the, the the most opportune times to really make change in the house is breakfast, lunch, and dinner because you got a person's got to sit to eat breakfast. They got to sit uh, to eat lunch. They have to sit to eat dinner, and that's when we used to pull up our chairs. Whoever was that person for that day. And they would get confronted on their attitude, their behavior. I mean, you know, there was a lot of dirt going on in the house when we arrived up there, and we we made it. Yep. We made a, a determination that we were going to clean it up. So yeah, right. that was us. That was our peer, Horace. I'm going to yes. ask you. I'm going to put you. I'm going to put you back on hold so you can continue to listen. We're going to continue our uh, interview with Basil. Um, Go ahead. And then, uh, Horace, I'm going to call you when I get down to Florida. All right, do that. I love you, man. I All right, stay, too, on, bro. stay on with us, Horace. Yes. So, Basil, you know, so you're yes, working sir. out at headquarters uh, in mid-Manhattan, right across the street from Bryant Park. It's the mid to late 90s, let's say. You know, there's some, some changes going on. Mental health coming in today, top at that time. Uh, more criminal justice, you know, coming into treatment. Uh, or let's say becoming a more direct beeline into treatment. And so from where you were, what were you sensing from the people you were in contact with that were still in the trenches in terms of what was changing, what was going on at that time? Because there was change happening. What were you sensing? Um, well, you had more people, like you said, uh, coming from probate. Um, it, it was the ratio was changing before you had more people who was voluntarily coming in. So now the ratio is changing to people who are probated, incarcerated. You have a more hardened uh, individual coming in who has a whole different spectrum of recovery. And um, most of them are probated there, like from the courts, which means that I, I don't know if they had that urgency. They just wanted to get out of the uh, penal system and uh, j just have like a way out, a freebie or whatever. And it was very difficult because um, you had to change the program in order for them to recover in their type of environment. Right. It had to, um, it had to work for them. It, totally different than from me, you, or Horace, because we really weren't probated. But now you have a totally different group of people coming in who um, are a little bit more harder, a little bit more stronger, a little bit uh, need a little bit more direction and guidance and. Uh, it, it, 
at one point it seemed to be a little scarier because now they have that jailhouse mentality coming in and they needed a little bit more attention. They needed a little bit more love. They needed a little bit more focus. And it was it was pretty much it was strong. It was very strong. And you that had to toughen you up even more because the dynamics had changed. The people had changed. And for some reason, the drug might be changing now. Mm-hmm. You have a totally different type of um, drugs uh, was cosmetically being made. The heroin, all of that stuff was still there. But now they were getting a little bit more creative. They were getting a little bit more uh, violent. They were getting a little bit more, you know, uh, didn't really care. And it, it, it became a little bit more intense, a little bit more scary, a little bit more work that you had to do. But, um yeah. <clears throat> uh, well, Alan Benjamin, and if he's listening, Alan, I'm coming after you. We're going to get you on this air. He was. Uh, <laughs> Alan he was, Benjamin. Uh, wow. Yes. Yeah, he directed both Parksville and Swan Lake, uh, I believe, yes, during did. that during that time. And I'm sure he could best comment on what the struggle was like and the treatment, you know, what it was really like. But I can sum it up. One, what I heard was it was almost people were coming in with the change me if you can attitude. Um, Whereas prior to that, where most of the people coming in were coming in voluntarily and wanted, you know, wanted help because, Mm -hmm. I mean, in the late 80s, the waiting list was, you know, almost 2,000 people. And so if you, if you dared well, I mean, once you got a bed and you and you met, you know you got up to the upstate treatment facilities. I mean, if you dared utter the words, uh, you know, I don't want to be here. Or I don't think I want to be here. I mean, before the sentence even finished, you were being they had a you know, band sorted. ready for you to come exactly. back to the city. <laughs> exactly. I mean, because people were literally dying, to, you know, dying to get into treatment all over all over the city. Right. So right. Um, now, when you have, you know, well. You know, change me if you can. Attitude. You're absolutely right. It requires a totally different approach to these um, individuals. So uh, it'd be interesting to find out from his perspective, being the director of the facility, how you know how he had to change things to accommodate this different addict coming in and the right. different attitude right. coming in. Right, because you know you you have some of them coming in and they're, they're like, look, I'm not doing that. Are you kidding? here you know they're ready to challenge you fight you and that kind of took away from the the whole purpose of recovery then what are you doing here i mean we knew what you was doing here it's obviously you don't want to be saved or come for treatment but that's what we had to deal with and it was more harsher and but we had the counselors to deal with that Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, Alan Benjamin, great counselor. He he was the type of person who could uh, work with the transitions and work with. Who else was it with Alan Benjamin at that time? Um, Hen, uh, Henry. Henry, I think his right. last name was Kurtzman. Yeah. Right, and then we have William Sheehan, who was out there, mm-hmm. who passed away. God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. And. He, he was along with Alan Benjamin, so he knew. Uh, we had some of our peers who kind of stayed up there and saw the transition 
from the right. way we got treatment as opposed to the new treatment uh, that had to be administered to the new people or the different people or the harder mm-hmm. people. Yeah, it was definitely a, a different environment. So we now, um, we obviously know that the, the treatment component is one aspect of of, of DATOP. There's also the administrative or operational component. Um, I mean, the reality is there there is a business side to operating a treatment program. So, and more often than not, you know, the business side drives the bus. So we know at some point things started to go a little bit sideways in the, let's say, the early to mid-2000s direction and leadership-wise. Can you tell us just from where you sat, your opinion, what was going on? Well, uh, you know, uh, Monsignor was a, a very influential person, and um, he knew so many important people. And the grants that Daytop received and the donations that uh, were given to Daytop because of the remarkable program that helped so many, th- I mean, thousands and thousands of people uh, the money that was coming in was was unbelievable, and uh, everyone was taken care of. And I, I mean, nicely. I mean, some people maybe a little bit more than others. Mm-hmm. And look, any any corporation you work for, any place you work for, um, there are bound to be problems. Uh, no one, uh, we don't always have a perfect system. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, sometimes you get those people, or, or um, and money trickles in the other directions, and people take advantage of that because that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I used to, you know, look at the books and I'm like, oh my God, how are we going to do this, or how are we going to do that? And I used to run into Monsignor in the elevator sometimes, and he <laughs> says, oh well, you know, how's the books, man? You know, I'm like, you don't want to know. He goes, I already know. <laughs> you know, and, and you, you, you had, uh, you, you always had people who took advantage of things and, you know, kind of turned, turned things in the other direction. And, uh, you know, and, and that's like any, anywhere you go, um, there's, there's really very little systems or very little companies who can say that uh, we work on the honor system, if any. Mm-hmm. And uh, Daytop kind of fell into that type of environment, and then the economy got bad, and uh, you know people was uh, had both hands out and stealing and all of this craziness. But uh, there has to be a balance where there's evil, there's good. So mm-hmm. there, that's the balance that Daytop dealt with, um, mm-hmm. and Monsignor ran that ship the best way he knew how. And he mm-hmm. did it. It had its prime, it had its glory, and it had its downfall. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, uh, some of the people who came in there uh, uh, don't even get me started on on, on uh, conspiracy stuff. Please don't get <laughs> me started on that, <laughs> you know, because I could go into another direction with that. But it exists. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, unfortunately, things turned a little sour, and it affected us all. And uh, we had to make decisions, 
and uh, we we knew that this was an era that was about to come to an end. And uh, it affected a lot of people who really did their job the best way they could. And we knew mm-hmm. that, hey, look, this is good. This train wreck is going to end soon. And unfortunately, this is what it came to. Um, I just got to say that uh, Daytop was at the pinnacle at one time. Unfortunately, it has worn its way out. But uh, I would never forget Daytop for all that it's done f- for me and for you and all my good friends that I have met. Uh, I would still uh, believe in Daytop for their philosophy and who I became, regardless of how Daytop has turned out. Well, Charlie Devlin mentioned last week um, that the last few years of Daytop New York and that's pretty much what we're talking about. Daytop New Jersey standing alone and thriving beautifully. Um, yeah, but Daytop New York is a standalone entity. The last few years were difficult. Uh, they ended up filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in uh, 2012 yep. to reorganize. And it looks as if they will end up with uh, Daytop New York merging with Samaritan Village. Now, Daytop helped start Samaritan Village in the early 70s, along with other programs that are Still going today, so they're going to. I think effective January uh, 2015, they'll become Samaritan Daytop. What are your thoughts on mm-hmm. that? Well, you know, some of the staff has already um, moved to Samaritan. As a matter of fact, Samaritan Village is actually one block away from me. Mm-hmm. Figure that out. Wow. Okay, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> And I was going to work one day on the train, and I saw some of the staff members that I used to work with in accounting. And they're like, Basil, hey, what's up? Uh, We're coming over to Samaritan. I said, I heard. Um, Look, life is a cycle. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm the type of person where, you know, nothing stays the same. Uh, in order for change to happen, mm-hmm. these are the things that have to happen. Um, Daytop will always be the flagship because it assisted so many facilities, uh, Samaritan Village, Phoenix House, uh, all of these other facilities uh, got their programs from Daytop Village, which is and was the flagship of sobriety. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think a lot of people who left Daytop and are now with Samaritan carry over a lot of good um, ideas and a lot of good character because Daytop was the premier. So we have our people over there in different facilities strengthening those exactly. facilities and making that a pinnacle also. So they, exactly. you know, the core is actually Daytop Village. Right. And, and the core, will wherever the core goes, the core will flourish. I don't care if right. it's five of us, ten, ten of us, one of us. We have that instilled in us to either survive, uh, whether it's um, sobriety or uh, administrations or whatever, uh, wherever they go they will survive and they will make that facility just as good as Daytop. 
That's that's exactly the sentiments that uh, Charlie echoed. Um, he himself is going to uh, be a part of um, Samaritan Daytop um, in a uh, serving on one of their boards. Uh, so you're absolutely right that you know the the roots, if you will, of of, of Daytop will uh, continue on. And as I said, Daytop New Jersey is still going strong. And uh, as you stated, it's funny, they they helped Samaritan Village start, Phoenix House, Odyssey House, um, a couple of other programs get started, seeded, right. seeded them with staff from Daytop, you know, you know 40 years ago. And um, it's coming around now that, uh, you know, it's... It, <laughs> It's it's almost like your parent coming back to live with you in their in their in their, in their later years, <laughs> you know. But they you know, but they still got a little spry to them and a little independence to them, and you know, they still want to, you know, get you know, they want to keep the roots, you know, planted and et cetera. So it's, that's it's interesting and funny at the same time. But um, I'm I was glad when I read that um that they worked out a, a merger um and would would keep you know, we keep it alive. Oh, yeah. And um, I I know that Samaritan will thrive uh, because uh, they they have the right people um, working with them. And um, if Samaritan Village uh, ever um, thrived like no other facility along with the other facilities, then you'd know that it was a, a Daytopian or Daytop village that had a, a significant uh, part of that. So um, I really wish Samaritan Village the best, and I know they're going to be the best because, hey, they got our people there. So, <laughs> Well, it's going to be called Samaritan Daytop, so the name will right, still be Samaritan there. Samaritan Daytop. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Francis? So, Yes, sir. It has been an absolute pleasure uh, interviewing you, conversating with you, talking with you uh, on our show, Roach on Recovery. Uh, I appreciate you being willing to come on and share your well, uh, experience. Uh, I always uh, enjoy uh, talking with you. I always enjoy talking uh, with all of my peers. Uh, I will be down in Florida um, around Christmas time, so I'm going to be with Carico uh, okay. out at his ranch, and uh, hopefully uh, I'm going to gather up everyone. I'm going to see if I could gather up Hector and Horace, and uh, hopefully we could tune in to you if you, if, if uh, and uh, have us all on the uh, on the air. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So. Uh, and, and, if, and if if and if you do get together with Horace down there, give him an elbow in the back for me uh, for all the elbows he gave me in the back in the gym. Tough, oh yeah, tough, tough, he he was toughening me up to play in the low post. You know, I, I'm 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 nowhere as big as him, but he was toughening me up. Well, I most definitely will tell him that. And uh, bro, I love what you're doing, man, and I love what you and Chris are doing. Um, I, I see this moving in a dynamic direction and in about a year or two this will probably be uh, the premier uh, radio station to tune into and I'm glad to be part of it well we appreciate that 
and thank you very much for those sentiments. And we absolutely hope that that comes true, Chris. Uh, Chris is always talking about uh, what is it? What's that satellite? Uh, well, cumulus <laughs> picking, us, picking us up. But no, absolutely. Uh, thank you very much for that, Basil. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Hope you uh, stay tuned uh, and continue to tune into us. And uh, I'll be in touch. Okay. Love you guys. Take care. Love you, Thank too. Thank you so Take much, you Basil. It's been a pleasure. All right, sir. Bye. Bye-bye. That was Basil Francis, uh, my peer, calling from New York uh, and talking about uh, the, the latter years of Daytop. All right. We are approaching the top top of the hour. You know I get my bottoms and the top bottom. of the hours mixed up. <laughs> the bottom, yep. We got like four different time things showing on our screen. I'm not sure which one is <laughs> exactly we got military time, satellite <laughs> time, and all right. So let's take a a break and uh, come back on the other side, and maybe we'll uh, take some calls. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. Where else but in our common ground can I find such a mirror? Hmm, what does that mean? Well, we know our common ground is known as OCG, but that's not what this excerpt from the OCG philosophy is referring to. What it's asking is, where else can someone who has had similar struggles, similar experiences, and similar feelings that they've had difficulty dealing with be? Where else can they be where they'll find others who are just like them? Where else can you find your mirror? Where else but in OCG can you find a mirror that can look right back at you and say, I've been there. I've done that. I've experienced that too. I've felt the same way. Where else but in our common ground can I find such a mirror? It's in OCG. OCG, where hope grows. La Comisión de Drogas y Alcohol Latino de Tratamiento de Servicios en el Sur de San Francisco fue organizado e incorporado a principios de 1991 y van 22 años de prestación de servicios a nuestra comunidad. TLC desea ofrecer nuestros servicios a aquellos que luchan con un trastorno de uso de sustancias. Tenemos instalaciones residenciales para hombres, mujeres, mamás y bebés, programa ambulatorio, transitorias y las casas de facilitar y promover una recuperación exitosa de las personas. Estamos en la Comisión Latina proporcionar servicios educativos en la autocetima, la asertividad, la gestión de la vida, habilidades de afrontamiento, manejo del enojo, límites y fronteras y otros temas varios.
La Comisión Latina Restauración de Personas Holísticamente en un Ambiente de Amor y Comprensión que Representa Nuestra Cultura, la Mejora de la Calidad de Vida. Okay, welcome back to Roach on Recovery. Uh, we just wrapped up our, <clears throat> excuse me, excuse my voice. It's it's raining in California, by the way, for those of you in other parts of the country, which is uh, news to us. Uh, so we just finished rat- uh, wrapping up uh, Daytop, the Birth and Evolution, Part 3 of 3, with our special guest, Basil, and of course, joined in by our surprise guest, a uh, member of our peer group from back in the late 80s, Horace Barnes, down there in uh, Orlando, Florida. Uh, and, you know, we wanted to start out uh, doing this this show, this show on recovery, this show about substance abuse treatment, uh, addiction, etc. cetera. Uh, we just felt we couldn't, we could not start uh, our common ground, uh, Birth by Daytona, California, without... Uh, going over our history, and we were fortunate enough to have David Deitch come on, who was a co-founder, along with the Monsignor and the O'Brien. Um, most of you remember we did our, our special show. We weren't really supposed to go live until the 18th of November, um, but the Monsignor passed away a, a month before on the, the 19th of October, so we went live on October 24th and did a special show in his honor. And that show is still available. Uh archived in, uh, in a podcast, and you can access it by going back to our website and clicking on the OCG live button. It will bring up the all of our uh, podcasts, podcast it shows. And then we uh, had, as we said before, Charlie Devlin came on last week and talked about the 70s and the 80s and his time as the CEO um, and about the Monsignors uh, serving on the uh, World Federation of Therapeutic Communities, an entity that Daytop helped start, you know, fund, carry on, et cetera. And uh, closing out today with uh, Basil, uh, you know, talking about, you know, how things went with uh, the change in, in, in the treatment in the late 90s and uh, the operational difficulties that Daytop encountered. I want to just point out two things before we go to the calls, Mr. Producer, that one was what uh, Dr. Deitch said in that one of the negatives or negative byproducts of Daytop so willingly starting and seeding these uh, programs in the late 60s and early 70s is they kind of uh, created their own competition. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, and, and, and even though there there was enough demand, sure, uh, uh, to, to to meet it, um, it you know as when you know things got tight, the economy uh, contracted back in the you know the you know 2007, 2008, etc., um, which coincided with Daytop's difficulties, you know, it kind of like sped up that uh, that spiral, so to speak. Sure, um, but it's 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 a nice ending, I think. I think if they were to file for bankruptcy and eventually weren't able to reorganize and come out of it as a stronger organization and end up going out of business, and I'm again referring to Daytop New York, um, I, I tell people that's like the equivalent. You know, we live here in the Silicon Valley. It's, 
you know, Daytop, because of its position that it held in the treatment community, you know, from the 60s all the way up on through, to me was the equivalent of HP going out of business hmm. here in the Silicon Valley. Um, so um, I think it's a a nice ending that they were able to, um, you know, merge with an organization that they helped start and will move forward together um, a stronger entity. Agreed. So. Agreed. Yeah, it is nice to know that they will still be in existence. So the the presence of Daytop will still be out there. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's. Uh, are we ready to go to a phone phone call? I believe so. Yeah, we've got a okay. we've got a caller on hold here. All right. Let's go to Jerry, a local boy calling from uh, East Palo Alto. Jerry, you're on. Welcome. Uh, yes. Yeah, um, I just had a um, strong question about. Um, Recovery. Um, sure. I know that once you um, go through through a program and things like this here, and then you're going to need, you know, some type of strength um, afterwards. And um, I was just thinking about the sponsorship. Um, I would like to know the average of people that, I mean, actually go through a program and then, um, you know, and get out on their own. And um, how many, what's the average of, someone making it without a sponsor or the ones that that has a sponsor? Well, you know, the role of a, a sponsor is to support, let's say, use you as an example, support you. And yes. any anyone can fill that role. And so, I mean, we advise it's always advantageous if, if a person has a lot of support. So they have a good core circle of positive friends that they can call on, etc. So it's not really being dependent on one person because what if that one person that's your support system isn't available when you need them most? You follow what I'm saying? Oh, yes. Okay, so to answer the first part, if you can get a sponsor, absolutely get a sponsor. If you can... Get yourself into a positive social circle that's that's about the same thing that you're about. Do that, yes. okay. Mm-hmm. In terms of then, whether um, or not, go ahead. And then, the, um, well, the second part of it was is that I hear with the um, the female and male. If you're a male, you should get a male, a male or, and so so. Why is that so widespread? Of not, I mean, uh, going with the opposite sex for. Um, having a sponsorship with Well, I have two answers to that, and the first one, unfortunately, is a question, Jerry. There's an obvious answer to that. Do you, do you know what that one is? Um, fall into um, um, a relationship or something with the sponsor. Yeah, so, yeah, the reason they advise not to do that is to eliminate the possibility of that occurring. Okay, but... Uh, you know, usually, from my experience, you know, most sponsors are really serious about their role, and you know, and and if their sponsor, sponsoree, if, if Mr. Producer, if that's the correct word, we can uh, go with it. Sponsee, I believe. Sponsee uh, gets out of line or gets inappropriate. Excuse me. <clears throat> it, you know, the sponsor usually would you know set them straight. But aside from that. You know, if you're if you're mature, responsible, and you're and you're correct in your intentions, you know, to me, it doesn't make a difference who's supporting you ultimately. 
You know what I mean? Oh, yes. Ultimately, ultimately, it's really about someone supporting you regardless of what their gender is. Yes. That's because I would hate um, to seem like, um, what would you call that, you know, be um, male chauvinist or something like that there. But um, um, the way you explain it, you know, it's, it's reasonable. So I guess it would be. Yeah, if someone's out, if, if someone's out, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for talking over you. If if uh-huh. someone's out, if someone is out there and they're a female and they're in your corner and they're there to support you, you absolutely keep them in your corner. You absolutely utilize them as support. Yeah, so yeah, so um, the information that you gave me sounds sound logical, and I'll take that to mind. Okay. Okay, great talking All right, to you, thank you. Same, All right. same here, Jerry. Thank you for calling. Yeah, okay, thank you. Bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, how you doing? So that, that comes up often, Mr. Producer, this uh thing and 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 it's uh, it's going to be one of our topics in the future but you know the gender issue when you're uh doing your 12 steps or sure. um, you just want to get a sponsor as just to have that that person there to support you and you know especially in the uh initial stages of your recovery or if you're exiting a treatment program to have someone there and yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, the you know, historical advice has always been, you know, to you know, if you're a male, find a male; if you're a female, find a female, et cetera. Um, but you know, my thing is ultimately, it's you know, if you're if you're mature, responsible, honorable, correct, you know, you know, whoever's out there available to you, right? You know, regardless of their gender, that's going to support you in your recovery. That's who you go with, and if you can find more than one, the more the better. Right, exactly. I've always likened the extra support to it's kind of like insurance. You know, you hope that you're never going to be in a situation where you really need it, mm-hmm. but it's great to know that it's there just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find the you know the similarities there, the analogy there to be uh, pretty accurate. Okay. All right. Let's move to um, Armando. Calling from the Bay Area, Armando, go. Uh, my question is, why is it important for young people to accept recovery and change? How old are you? Nineteen. Okay. All right. So you, you are a young one. Well, yes. yeah. We. I mean, Armando, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell you a couple of things. The, the younger you are, the harder it is. The younger you are, the harder it is. Because when, when, when you're young, especially that 18, 19, 21, 20, 21-year-old, 20, that, that, that little age group right there, you know, you're on top of the world. You're at your physical peak. I mean, you're, you're you know, nothing can, nothing can happen to you. You know, that's what you feel. That's what you believe. That's what you think. And so... If you find yourself in a position that you are, you know, you know, you've struggled with, you know, abusing drugs and you're now trying to recover from that, it's sometimes hard in that age group to kind of, you know, take in, you know, some of the information that you need because you still have to grow and mature just as a regular 19-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's hard it's hard to expect a 19-year-old to have the maturity of a 30-year-old, so to speak. True. 
And so we have to allow you to still be 19, allow you the space to still make 19-year-old decisions, which aren't always that smart, okay, but at the same time, keep on being very consistent with letting you know that these are the things you have to do to stay whole in your recovery. Right. And then I'll then I'll always tell them, and I'll leave you with this, is you're going to make 19-year-old decisions, which sometimes aren't that smart, but just don't make any life-altering decisions. Correct. Okay? Yeah. And I certainly, and I want you to think about this, you're 19 years old. You do not want to be 29 and find yourself struggling to still get recovery when you had an opportunity at 19. So if you if you have an opportunity right now, seize it, grab it, and take it. Yep. Okay? Yes. All right, sir. Thank you very much, Armando. All right. All right. The young ones uh, are very difficult. It's a difficult time. Yeah. Uh, we... <laughs> I think we still have the scars from our uh, <laughs> working with the uh, adolescents, which are even younger than Armando, where we're the 13 right. to 17-year-old group. Oh, my right. goodness. Uh, it's one thing just trying to navigate uh, life at that age and where you're going and what it's all about, and then to add into the mix, you know, being in a in a program or just being in the world of recovery and trying to figure that out, uh, very, very challenging for somebody that young. Yep, yep. And uh, we've definitely uh, taken our taken our lumps uh, with that age group, but it, it, it's not easy. It is it is difficult. Um, I don't know if I could have done it at that age. So um, you know, within our within our program, our common ground when we get uh, young ones at the age that Armando uh, is, um, they do require you know some extra, as Basil said, some some extra love and attention. Okay, let's see who we got here. We're going to go to San Francisco, that city that likes to mimic New York, and talk to Leo. Leo, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Good, uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing fine. I just uh, just wanted to ask a few questions. If you don't sure. Mind. Um, my first question is, uh, you know, I have a, um, a lot of anger inside, and I don't want to uh, talk about my past lifestyle but uh, with my family, but, uh, you know, I've been through a lot and, uh, you know, I'm 46 years old and I feel it's, you know, kind of like too late to discuss about my problems, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've been, I've been identifying my anger. You know, I know when I get angry, I'm either embarrassed or, you know, uh, or scared. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by this time when I'm scared, I, you know, I really, you know, get really frustrated and angry. And and most of the time I'm in a, you know, big fixed fight or an argument. And, mm-hmm. you know, I really don't like feeling like this. And, uh, you know, I was asking him, maybe you have some, some, you know, some comment for me or some help. Sure. Uh, first, I want to commend you on identifying the fact that you get angry and you have an idea of the things that create your anger. You you already know anger is never the first feeling. Yeah. There's always something that precedes that, something that comes before that. You even mentioned it. You said, I know I get angry when I'm scared. Yeah. I know I get angry if I feel embarrassed. So 
you are miles, miles, miles ahead of most people because a lot of people don't even know why they're angry or, or what makes them angry or gets them to that anger state. You already have a clue. You you have an idea. So you are already three quarters of the way there. The next the next step, and and I agree with you 100%. You say, you know what? I know what happened in my past. I want to move. I want to look to the future. So if you know that there are things that um, <clears throat> create anger in you, it's all about being aware of that and then controlling what you do. Now where 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 are you at with that? Controlling what you do when you're angry. Um well actually um near where you know I think about it and you know um I don't want to uh, be that actor anymore, you know that that angry actor. I'd rather be an mm-hmm. actor. Um you know calm and collect and I think about things and I can just walk away. But mm-hmm. some most of the time it's really hard when you get into a you know into it and it's like I don't think at the time and it's just mm-hmm. you know, just unravels really fast. Okay. Well, so I was once told that uh, when, when, when a you know, human being says, well, um, you know, I wasn't thinking or I didn't think, that, you know, that's really, let's say, biologically impossible, that we actually always think. It's just that it's a split second and we just ignore it. Yeah, so you know, like right, so right before you get ready to do that wrong thing, whether it's you know get physical with somebody, whatever, you know, you know, it, 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 it something comes to you, but you ignore it. Yeah, that anger is so Thank strong. Yeah, can I mention? Um, sure. You know, it's kind of it's kind of hard because I've been doing it all my life. You know, I've been born right. in San Francisco in gangs, and it's just a, a lifestyle that you know I've been been through. You know, it's mm-hmm. Right now, overcoming it, and I want to change and. and better myself and, and you know I'm trying to do the best I can to you know um you know just to 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 change and that uh to you know not to to let those uh words you know harm me so much I mean it's their opinion you know it's but uh yeah I just need to buy some Leo so you're you're always in control number one and like I said, you're already miles down the road with understanding this thing. You just got to take it. You just got to take it to the finish line, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. So don't don't feel bad. Don't don't you know? Don't get on yourself that you know it's not happening as fast as you want. But I'm here to tell you that based on what you've said, you've already got it. It's just continuing on that path, you know. There's an even older saying, you know, and, and this sounds corny, but it's amazing how, how well it works, especially for someone that might have a hair trigger temper about your lifestyle prior to what you're doing right now, okay, and for as long as that you may have done it, that's, it that lifestyle became instinctual to you, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, and so you're trying to break that those instincts, okay? You know, someone look at you the wrong way. The old, the old Leo would respond a certain way. Now Leo doesn't want to respond that way. He wants to do something different. Well, that was an instinctual response that he he developed. He now has to train himself in a different instinctual response. That takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. But the fact that you are aware of it, which sometimes takes people years to get to, even yeah. being aware of it, you are already there. So it's about continuing to be aware. 
even if you enter a circumstance where you have to count to ten to slow your slow your roll, Leo, slow yourself yeah. down a little bit. You know what I mean? Something as simple and as corny as that works. I'm telling you, know, that, that anger thing is a beast. Yeah, it is. And when it it's comes out, it's, it's terrible. I mean, I have scars to prove it. And, you mm-hmm. know, the Bible says it's a blessing. But, uh, you know, it's you know, just tiring now, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I know that there's a better life out there. And mm-hmm. uh, to, to make things, you know, better for myself, to grow, to gain, mm-hmm. gain knowledge. And, um, you know, it's just so something so simple, and, you know, it's just so hard, you know, sometimes. But, uh, I, like you said, I am learning. And you are learning. I'm progressing. Do not. Bettering myself. Do not give up. Don't give up. Yeah. yeah. I, um, this guy um, once told me that, you know, um, that I work for, and, uh, you know, that, that I'm an, an impeccable, the things I do, and. You know that that feeling, that good feeling. That wow, I never heard that. But you know, I looked it up. Impeccable is a, is a powerful word. That little powerful <laughs> word that can change. You know, like wow, it oh. makes you feel good. You know, so. That not, not only is it powerful, Leo, but in order to be impeccable, you have to be disciplined. And if you're disciplined, then you absolutely can get the change that you're looking for. So take that compliment to heart, my friend. I will. I will. Okay? All right. I appreciate All right, that. Leo. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Are you with me, Mr. Producer? Absolutely. Great call. Yeah, that was a great call. <clears throat> Anger's a biggie. It is. It is a big one, and a lot of people struggle with it. And like you were saying... Uh, anger is the easy thing, obviously, to turn to. Um, it's easier to feel angry. Um, it's easier to acknowledge that you're angry. It's easier to identify anger. Uh, but like you said to the caller, it's about identifying that primary emotion, the first thing that happens, which is being hurt, like you said, or embarrassed or sad, that are difficult things to admit that right. you feel sometimes. And those are the first things he mentioned. And, and when someone right. is able to identify that, that's that's... That's the plus. There are ways down the turnpike when they can identify. Right, that. right. Um, since we are dedicating this show to my uh, wingman, uh, Joseph Edward Williams, on the eighth anniversary of his passing today, December 2nd, uh, Mr. Producer, you've been um, harassing and hounding me about uh, us dropping a jazz tune as a part of uh, our music, one of our music uh, musical breaks. Yeah, adding and, jazz into the repertoire. Yeah, and and obviously I told you that jazz was just not part of my you know upbringing, but you know, but in in so many words, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have relented, and I'm going to play a jazz tune. Now it may not sound like jazz to you, okay? But it is from one of the premier jazz artists out there, and that's been out there for the last 35 years. I'm not even going to tell you his name. I don't think you can guess it. But we're going to take a music break in honor of uh, Joseph Williams and uh, come back on the other side to take some more calls. Go. Beautiful. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. 
I've gotten clean before nine, ten times, but this is my first time in treatment. Um, getting clean seems to be the easy part, but staying clean is the hard part. So I wanted to know if you had any extra little tips or something like that for whenever whenever I'm done with my treatment. All right. First of all, I'm, uh, hey, what, you got a party going on in the background there? Um, no. <laughs> uh, first of all, I'm still stuck at the nine or ten at times that you tried to that you said you tried to get clean or were clean. Yeah. Well, it it, it only last it only lasted for a certain amount of time, and okay. it seemed like it just like went back to, you know, I I think I know some of it, some of it was old friends, but bad habits. So this time's a little different because I don't really talk to anybody like I used to. So okay. So I and- think that'll help. And and you're saying that you're now making your first attempt at at, at like formal treatment? Yes, sir. Okay. So, well, that and 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 the other the previous times you were just trying to get clean on your own. Yeah. Well, I have I have a lot of family because my parents broke up when I was younger, but then mm-hmm. burned a lot of bridges with that. So now pretty much nobody wants to talk to me no more, and I wanted to do it for myself. Okay, but I'm just asking the previous times that you tried to get clean, did you just try or did you have any uh, formal treatment attempts or did you oh, just try no, to Oh, no, no, no. It was it was just like at family member's house and just sucked it up. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, I'm I'm glad that you're making an attempt now by getting help. Yeah. You know, externally, by not trying to do it by yourself. Um mm-hmm. some people do succeed at that, and that's wonderful. Um yep. most don't. Um yeah. statistically. Um, so you you have made the very important first step by seeking help, and mm-hmm. you know there's there's you know sometimes especially you know we gotta drop our pride, drop our ego, humble ourselves, and admit you know that hey you know I I need help with this. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, that, that's so, pretty much what was happening with me. The other times was like oh I got it, I got it, I got it, and then you know I mean I could go for the longest was about a year and a half, and then it just seemed like right immediately dropped back to how it was within like a week. Okay. Well, you've kind of changed the script around this time by saying like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to have others help me along this path. Mhm. Okay. And yeah. if you were able to just, you know, doing it on your own in whatever way you did it, you know, stay out there and and stay clean for a year and a half, imagine yeah. what the possibilities are if you get some understanding under your belt get some mm-hmm. insight under your belt, get some knowledge under your belt, you know what I'm saying? Some tools yeah. under your belt that you can fall back on. Yeah, and exactly. Some some people around you to support you under your belt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You come out of that treatment yeah. program, you know, I want you I want you to come out of there with three or four people in your in your circle. You know? Exactly. You know, three at or four least. people in your peer group at least, you know, that you can call mm-hmm. upon in your circle. So yeah. you are you're you're in the, you're going in the right direction. And because you're going in the right direction, the the chances of success have increased exponentially. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and um, also I don't. Um, I was still living in this, my old neighborhood and seeing all and that that year and a half was like seeing all my old friends still hanging out around and then like just avoiding it. So I definitely know what I need, need. I need to know what I, I know what I need to do different this time, obviously. But you know, it just I just needed all the help I can get, pretty much. Well, by by the time you're done, Manuel, and and you have reached the stage of recovery, mm-hmm. and I, I usually like to use the two year mark where a person has, exactly, yeah, you know, they've, mm-hmm. they've been in recovery for two years, they they're 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 moving forward in their life, et cetera. 
I, I want you to ultimately get to a point where you know what it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference where you are, because exactly. not everybody can change their living circumstance. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they can't move to Beverly Hills to. to yeah, that's live. definitely not an option. <laughs> not that not that you can't get drugs in Beverly Hills, by the way. Well, yeah. Okay, but so you you have to build up your recovery wall, your recovery strength to be able mm-hmm. to withstand no matter what comes your way. Okay. You know what I mean. And so, yeah, that that's, so while you're in your while you're progressing through your treatment, I want you to call back and keep us informed as you move forward. Okay. By the way. Okay. But I don't want. I'm just saying that earlier. I just want to forget that. But as as you are going through this process, make sure that you put that stuff in your tool belt. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all that stuff you're going to learn about what you need to do in recovery. It's not just people, places, and things. Although that is important. Okay? Yes. But it's learning about Manuel. What exactly. makes Manuel tick? What makes Manuel make these type of decisions? What mm-hmm. are my relapse triggers? That's and that's what that's what I need. That's why I came here because that's the. I mean, it's easy getting clean. I mean, it's not easy, obviously, but it's definitely the easier part. But then mm-hmm. just avoiding everything and like I, I didn't have any tools. You know what I mean? I I just had I just had my family and they were just like you know it's kind of tough. Like just buck up and get through it and you'll be all right. So I, right. that's what I did. You know and um. It would last for a little while, you know what I mean? It could just go back and forth, back and forth. So that's why I wanted to come here, so I could learn learn new tools, like you said. Well, keep us posted. All right, I will. You're in the early stages. I know. It already feels good, I'm not going to lie. Good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> Enjoy it. All Relish right. it. I'm going All to. Right, All right. All right, thank you. I'll definitely, I'll definitely call you guys back. And uh, and the Giants, San Francisco Giants, aren't winning next year. Bye, man. Uh, I don't know about that one. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Bye, bye. <laughs> All right. Did, did you say something, Mr. Producer? Told him to stay strong, and then I probably would have had another couple comments if I knew you were going to drop that Giants line. But I decided to let the caller stick up for himself. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. We have a we have a special guest that has called in on the. Uh, on the board here. Okay, well let's um let's let's take him. Uh I'm I'm going to let him should I I'm trying to think should I should I introduce him or should he introduce himself? But uh, let me just bring him on and uh and we'll talk to him. Mr. Anthony Williams, welcome to Roach on Recovery. Thank you very much, Robert. Long-time friend, first-time caller. Thank you, just sir. Want to thank you very Oh, you are very welcome. Orville, I want to thank you very much for uh, remembering Joe today. Me and my family very much appreciate that. I appreciate the kind words from Chris and also from Mr. Basil Francis. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the condolences very much. And you know as well as I know, Joe was a one-of-a-kind person, and uh, we miss him greatly. And mm-hmm. um, I'm very much appreci- yeah, I'm very much appreciating your show, and... Um, I wish you all. I wish you all of God's blessings in your uh, on your uh, new journey, Orville. Thank you, Anthony. You are very you welcome. Very and I, I would like to introduce myself. My name My name is Anthony, and I'm Joe's oldest brother. We were separated by 18 months. I'm 18 That's months right. older than Joe. That's and, right. And uh, like I said, long time friend, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yes. Now, Orville, I have a quick question for you. Yes. Sure. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I have a quick question for you. Was that one of Joe's favorite songs, was Give Me the Night by George Benson? 
Yes, that was in his uh, top five. And when we close out the show today, um, hopefully you'll continue to listen. We're going to play one of his top three songs. I will. And, look, uh, I am looking forward to very, that. It'll be a very special one to, uh, for him. I am looking very much forward to that, Orville. Okay, Anthony. All right, well, I don't, thank I don't you. want to hold the show up because I know you got to, you got to play a lot more calls there, but I want to thank you very much for remembering Joe today. I know he was your best friend and also your wingman. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, well, Orville. Thank you once very again, much, thank you. Thanks for calling in and uh, letting everybody know and introducing yourself, and uh, we'll be in touch. You are very welcome, and God bless, and God bless you and your family, Orville. All right. You too, Anthony. Bye-bye. Thank you. Have a good night. Good night. Yes, that was Joe's uh, older brother. Okay, let's take... um, uh, Let's go to Lauren from San Bruno, California. Lauren, you're on. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing okay. Um. I had a question for you. I'm I'm currently in the early stages of treatment, and um, I've done treatment a couple times in the past, and um, I've never was actually to keep it going after I after I was finished with treatment and out on my own. I don't have any family at all um, in the area, and I have no real support system um, as far as recovery and, and you know on the outs and uh, when I'm when I'm out of treatment, and I'm wondering. Um, what advice do you have for me um, just so that I can fully surrender myself and, and stay clean and sober without really any family or anybody to support me outside of treatment here? I love this call because, <laughs> because you're going you're gonna to allow me to give some advice that I, I, I love to give to people that are uh, just starting out in treatment or going into traditional treatment programs, etc. So the first one is going to be a question. You ready? Yes. When you went into your treatment environment, you went in with whom? Alone. By yourself, correct? Yes, correct, alone, yes. When you walk out those doors, you're going to walk out by I'm yourself? I'm going to walk out alone. Yes, yes. Not, not, I don't, I'm not using the word alone. I'm not using oh. the word alone. Okay. I'm saying by yourself. By myself, okay. correct. Yeah, you, yeah. Physically, you're going to walk out by yourself. You came mm-hmm. in by yourself, and you're going to walk out by yourself. Actually, what I used to say way back in the day, I used to say you crawled in by yourself, but you're going to walk out those doors upright, head held high, shoulders back. That's what's going to happen. Okay. Okay. So okay. That means that you prepare yourself that I'm going to have to rely on myself first and foremost. There's no one else out there for me. And if during your treatment experience you get you gather support, you gather a friend here or there, fantastic. But you know that I'm building myself to be able to rely on myself because ultimately. You can have all the support in the world, all the family around you in the world. And when push comes to shove and there's that moment where things are going on and you might be ready to make a bad decision, the only person that has the power to stop you is who? Me. Exactly. I just I'm not sure exactly how. That's the thing. 
you'll learn it. Yeah. If I if I since you're early in that process, okay? Since you're early in that process, I'm not mm-hmm. going to circumvent it by saying, "Well, this is what it's going to be." Yeah. Okay? You got a step by step. If you I don't know if you were listening to the previous caller, but step by step, put that stuff in your toolbox. What do I need okay. to do to to strengthen myself? You you know you know what your personal issues are that you need to resolve that contributed to you going down the path you went down. You need to resolve those. Clear clear those out. Okay. Then it becomes about what do I want to accomplish? What goals do I have? How am I going to accomplish those goals? What are the things I need to do? And so if you're in a formal treatment setting, you take advantage of that time to get all of those issues resolved so that you can focus 100% of your energy on accomplishing the goals that you want to accomplish once that treatment experience is over. Okay. Okay, I can do that. And it's one day at a time, step by step. Okay. Yeah, that's the way I'm going to have to do it because it's kind of scary to look at the big picture. But, um, yeah, I can, I can, I can oh, do that. That is a, a, a mistake people make, and we have to pull the reins back a little bit do not look far down the road. Okay. We have to tell them, don't look far down the road. Stay in today. Stay in the moment. Okay. You know, it's a, it's a cliche, one day at a time, but it's so true. Just just we'll focus on today. What can I learn today? What can I learn about myself today? What can I work on about myself today? And then tomorrow, we deal with tomorrow. And before you know it, before you know it, a year and a half has passed. And you're looking around and saying, where would the time go? <laughs> you're a year and a half into your recovery. You're like, what happened? That's what happens with me and my addiction. So hopefully, the same thing will happen um, in treatment. Well, hoping, usually for yeah. people on the latter stages of their addiction, time is like dragging by. You know, it's like, when is this going to end? You know? Yeah. They're begging for the end, and hopefully, you know, the end is not jail. The end is not death, and the end, the end is recovery. Yeah. And also the and also the beginning. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, well, I would so, definitely so do you, that. You, yeah, step by step, day you, by day. And you're going to keep us informed? I definitely will. I definitely will. Thank okay. you so much for your help. Okay, thank you, Lauren. Okay, have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, Mr. Producer, you with me? Yes, sir. Common mistake, getting ahead of yourself. Not looking at just today what's in front of me. How am I going to tackle this problem? It's like, uh, what's going to happen a year from now, and how am I going to, you know, live my life? And hey, you know, we don't need to look that far. We kind of trust in the process, right? The here and now, the here and now. Um, should we should we squeeze in another caller before we go to uh, another break? Yeah, I think we can do that. Okay. All right, let's go to Dorian in San Mateo. Dorian, you're on. Yes, yes, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. How can we help you, sir? Okay, um, I'm new in recovery. I'm approaching 90 days clean. And I am wondering what are the three key essentials to my remaining sober after the fact that I am out of treatment? The three key essentials to remaining Clean and sober. 
Yes, sir. After I'm out of treatment. Well, I have some unfortunate news for you, Dorian. Okay. There aren't three key essentials. Okay. There's only one essential. And I'll then probably could answer that myself. What, what, say it again? I said I probably could answer that myself. Probably the will to remain clean and sober. Or the commitment. Okay. Everything else emanates, follows from that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So okay. if if Dorian has committed to a clean and sober lifestyle, then... If someone were to say, well, these are the, you know, after that first one, that these are the other two important things. Well, the other two important things can be any, any, any anything that, Dor- for Dorian specifically, okay, in his life, were contributing factors. So it could be places Dorian hung out, could be friends Dorian hung out with, it could be relationships Dorian got himself involved in, it could be behaviors Dorian, you know, displayed, et cetera. It could be numerous things, those second and third items. Okay. Okay? But I have faith that if a person has conquered that first one, everything else will fall into line because those other things won't become a worry or concern because the first one has been conquered. Right. And then after you conquer that first one, a person usually focuses on making, you know, smart, correct decisions. Okay. They don't put themselves in bad situations. They don't hang around with people they shouldn't hang around with. They don't go to places they shouldn't go to. Okay. But... I would never it's say to you, and no, and no one should ever advise you in advance, okay, well, these right. are the three key things. No. Let's get the very first thing in place. Okay. It boils down to choices. Absolutely. There is no mistakes when it comes to recovery. Right. You don't, ac- you don't accidentally relapse. It's a process as well. Yes, um, when, 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 if you are a person that is in recovery and you happen to relapse, mm-hmm. the, the process of relapsing does not occur overnight. You don't just wake up one morning and say, you know, okay, today's the day I'm going to use. No. Right. It, I do agree it, you with know, that. It's a process that happens before you get to the actual act of using. Okay. So you'll hear words, you'll hear these type of words such as triggers, negative reservations, like you know old behaviors that you think you could still do or get away with, and it's not going to affect me, etc. You know, you'll hear things like that talked about because those are things that start people down that road. Okay, that is true. Right? Awesome. Well, you got 90 days in. That's a great accomplishment. How do you feel? Thank you so much. I feel great, actually. You Good. you you very much can tell the difference, mentally, physically, and psychologically. 
Feels great, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It's very awesome. Okay. Okay. You going to keep us posted, sir? Yes, I will. And I thank okay. you for your time. Have, have a good evening. Thank you. You too. All right. All right. Bye-bye. 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 Mr. Producer? Yes, sir. Uh, do we want to go to a break? Yeah, we can take a quick break. We do have a couple of callers on hold that it would be good to get to. We just have a caller who called in now on hold who has an update who called in last week who wants to update you on something she says it's good news, so I'm anxious to get to that. Okay. Uh, you want to do a quick break? We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Take it easy. Take it easy. Don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. The Children's Health Council in Palo Alto has been serving children, youth, and teens in San Mateo and Santa Clara counties, as well as the greater San Francisco Bay Area, for over 60 years. The goal of the agency is to remove barriers to learning, regardless of language, location, learning style, or ability to pay. At CHC, we specialize in ADHD, learning differences, anxiety and depression, and autism through our center, two schools, and community clinic. No matter how big or small the issue is, just call us and we'll help you navigate your child's journey together. Visit our website at www.chconline.org or call us at area code 650-688-3625. Again, that's area code 650-688-3625. At CHC, we're here for you. And CHC, estamos aquí para usted. Okay, we're back. Roach on recovery. Um, we're going to get right back to the phones. Time is of the essence. So let's go to Kimberly in San Jose, California. And Cindy, Kimberly's calling us back with an update from last week. Kimberly, welcome. Hi. <laughs> I didn't actually realize it was going to happen so fast, but after I talked to you, I got determined and wrote some notes and had a spiel already and came home and it worked. (laughs) (laughs) So um, your advice was tough love, not accepting certain things in my home, make sure I'm firm with my message, demand clear boundaries. Does he really want to seek help, denial, or does he not care? And explain my position and where I stand and stick to them. So that was what I did. I came home and I asked him some questions. And, uh, well, actually, do you want to hear the whole story? <laughs> no, no, not the whole story. We're running We're running right up against our clock, but just give me okay. the Reader's Digest version real quick. Okay. The very end of it is he checked into a six-month rehab in San Jose Salvation Army this morning. That's wonderful. And he was pretty okay about going. At first, mm-hmm. there was some whining, and you know, he compared it to San Quentin, and we went through a couple of gyrations for a day or two, but he went this morning, and then he left me a card on the table that said thank you. 
That's wonderful. Yeah. That's absolutely That's wonderful. really, I know, I know. This is so great. So thank you very, very much for your advice and your input. And, and I, I think you should get rid of that siren thing. I think a flushing <laughs> toilet was much better. <laughs> well, you were well aware what the siren stood for, but um, I, I'm glad to hear that it, it has uh, worked out for you so far and that you, um, you know, you just held to your boundaries and keep us posted, please. Okay. He, he's on lockdown for 30 days and then he gets to come out to meetings or something. So I'll probably meet him at a meeting and, and I'll talk to you in after 30 days after the new year. Absolutely. We'll be looking forward to it. Thank you very much, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay. Okay, that was a nice call. Turned out to be a very good ending. Um, Okay, we're going to go to, uh, let's see, Marvin, Daily City. Yes. Are you there, Marvin? How are you? Yes. How are you doing, Marvin? Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, too. Thank you. How can we help you? Um... Well, uh, first I want to share, uh, I'm from Dela City, and um, I'm a grateful, uh, recovering drug addict. And I was born in the Philippines, mm-hmm. and I was 16 years old. Got married at 18 years old, and um, after 17 years, um that marriage with two beautiful kids. Um, my ex-wife and I divorced because of my addiction. Got divorced four years ago, and uh, she uh, have my daughter. Uh, my daughter is seven years old. She went back to the Philippine Islands. Marvin. Marvin. Yes. Marvin, can you hear me? I, I don't mean to be yes. rude, but just because we're running up against the clock and I don't want the computer to just cut us off, can you just can you tell me what's your question for us? How can we help you today? Oh, um, well, um, my question is, uh, I'm in recovery for six months and a half, going on seven mm-hmm. months, mm-hmm. and if um I start a relationship, uh. Um, like a girlfriend, um, how's that going to affect my recovery? It's going to uh, have a significant effect on your recovery. Relationships are the number one, in my opinion, number one reasons for relapse for people who are in recovery. Their inability to deal with relationships. So my advice to you would be this. I would never advise someone not to enter a relationship because you could be in the supermarket and be eight months into recovery and meet the love of your life. Who knows, okay? What I would say is make sure that you are correct, you are straight, you are ready, and that you have resolved everything you need to about yourself first before you extend yourself to another person. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Be ready yes. for a relationship. Be ready for a relationship before you involve yourself in a relationship. 
And even if you do, quote unquote, happen to meet the love of your life, okay, no one says you have to jump head first in. You can take it nice and slow, nice and easy. But make sure that you're ready. Okay. Many, many, many people relapse because of relationships. So I can't caution you enough. But I want you to do this, because like I said, I'm sorry, but we're running up against the clock. I want you to call us back next week. I want you to think about it a little more, all right, and call us back next week, and then we can get into it just a little bit more when we have more time, okay? Okay. Because that's a very important question. A lot of that's a big issue in recovery about, you know, used to be we can wait two years, wait one year, but, you know, that's another whole discussion. So call back next week, and we'll get into it a little bit, okay? I will do that. All right, sir. Thank you very much, Marvin. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. All right, bye-bye. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, my friend. Okay, Mr. Producer, I know you've been banging the table, <laughs> warning <laughs> me about the clock. Um, so we're going to uh, wrap up our show today. First of all, thanks to all of our callers, our listeners, our uh, our guests, um, our our surprise guests, uh, Horace calling in from Florida and uh, Anthony Williams calling in in regards to uh, Joe. Um, so we're going to uh, close our show out today and drop uh, Joe's top three song. And uh, we'll be back next week. Same time, same channel. Absolutely. And I did want to say for those of you on hold who we didn't get a chance to get to today, please call back next week. We'd be happy to speak to you. Thank you so much for calling and listening. Um, and we will make sure that we get you in as some of our first guests when we take callers next week. So thanks again, everybody, for listening.
that's our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCGWorkCA and on Twitter at OCGWorkCA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. Some day somebody's gonna make you wanna turn around and say goodbye.